Hi, I'm Nancy Dufresne. Welcome to our podcast channel. We know you'll be blessed by today's message. Turn with me, if you would, to Mark chapter 11. I want to pick up where we started last Sunday. And we would invite you tonight, if you're not going to go to the service in uh, Long Beach, we are still going to have prayer. We're going to be praying for that service. We'll have prayer at five, so we'll be able to pray right before the service um, for Pastor Nancy's meeting. Um, So we will be taking time to do that. So if you aren't going, we invite you to be here and join us for prayer. That is part of our assignment Uh, is to pray for the different arms of the ministry um, because, again, we're feeding continually. We're so blessed to be a part of and be continually feeding on uh, what this ministry, God is doing through this ministry, that it's our responsibility to be in prayer and bring our faith for others that are to receive from this ministry. Amen? And what, what the assignment is. So Mark 11, verse 23, 22, we had looked at this passage in regards to Jesus' demonstration to his disciples. And before, prior to this, he had not taught uh, this lesson of faith. This was uh, kind of a new lesson for them, a new demonstration. Uh, They had seen him to walk on the water. They had seen, there were things prior to this, miracles that they had seen. Uh, But this was the first time he was basically giving them the assignment that every believer is going to be able to take on. Now, we all have different calls and we all have different things that God has asked us to do, has let us do, but we all have the assignment of faith. Okay, every one of us has the assignment of faith, the call to speak to things, the call to use your authority, the call to uh, be the one in operating in full dominion on this earth. We all have that assignment. It's going to reach into different aspects Uh, of this community and and different ways uh, coming through your life. Some of you, it'll be through business. Some of you, uh, uh, mothers, it will be through parenting. It's, it's, It's supposed to reach and touch every part of our life. But we all have the assignment of Mark 11, 23 and 24. Amen? Jesus spoke this to everyone that was watching. Um, We don't all have the assignment to go try and walk physically on water. Okay. Uh, That was a demonstration that we saw, a miracle that we saw, and there was a, a, a lesson that came through that when Peter did that. But we all have this assignment. He turned to all of them and said, gave these instruction. He had not given this instruction before. So whenever we see the instruction coming to the group, then we take that on as our assignment. Amen? So no more is it okay to think uh, that you can handle things in faith differently than the way Jesus handled them. We don't make up our own rules of faith. We do not create our own Rules and guidelines based off of where we're from, what we know, how we saw, you know, Grammy and and Auntie and everybody else and mom and dad. We all have the same rules of faith so that we can all get the same results. Same rules gives the same results. That means when you see somebody operating under the laws and the uh, instruction of faith that we see here in Mark 11, that means you can do the same thing and you will get the same results. The Holy Spirit is only working with these rules of faith. He will never lead you to cry out in sadness before God to get in desperation an answer. You know, he will never lead you to beg. The Holy Ghost doesn't lead us into begging. He leads us into operation the way Jesus operated. Remember, it says over in John, 
He'll come to teach you and to bring to remembrance all things I have taught to you. He's going to bring to your remembrance. Remember how he said to speak to the mountain? Not cry at the mountain, not boohoo over the mountain, not go ask the neighbor for help with the mountain, not ask somebody else to pray and speak to the mountain. The Holy Ghost only works within the instruction already given with faith. That means he's going to do two things. He's going to lead your words and your actions. Faith is released through word and through action. He's interested. The Holy Ghost is interested in your words and your actions. So when we're listening to the Spirit about what to do regarding our situation, just know he's going to bring to you either something to say or something to do right? It doesn't matter what you're believing for, healing, finances, uh, something with your family. And he may even lead you, uh, as Jesus was, to speak and walk away. Sometimes that's the hardest thing to do, right? I'm supposed to have action. Sometimes walking away is an action. He leads you to speak to the mountain and then walk away. And, go and, and be in face rest. That is an action of faith. And sometimes that's the action of faith people really struggle with because they want to be, um, uh, uh, have a hand in. <laughs> they think that the miracle will come along a little bit better if they can just reach their hand of faith in there. Well, that's a, really a hand of doubting that God can complete what he started. Amen. And there were many times, you know, when we were believing with our home that we had different opportunities. You know, there was at one point in the back in the original, the purchasing of the home, and we had like three weeks left that there was a loan. I don't know what you call him because we talked to so many different people and he, he had asked us to lie. Basically, we were, it was a done deal, but we had to lie about uh, regarding one thing regarding our home in order to put that paperwork through. Well, had we to lie, that's us putting our hand in, you know, because that's all we knew how to have faith for was a lie. <laughs> that's, that's the level, that would have been the level of our faith. And we would have continued to have to, what you compromise for once, you will have to keep doing that over and over and over. And we had to walk away pretty much from a, almost a completely done deal with two weeks left because faith um, is always has a pure heart and is honest and trust God completely. Trust God. So um, there's these two things that we'll have, actions and words that he's going to lead you to. Now, the enemy, his, his motive is to influence, and we talked about this last week, is to influence everything you see so that you will either change what you do when you say, when you see it, or you'll try to, um, how can we say it this way? You'll change what God wanted you, what you were saying and what you were in agreement with. You'll change the way you were acting according to what you see, or you won't do anything at all. You won't do anything at all, you know, because you think it's too big. It's, it's overwhelming. You, you know what I'm saying? You, you'll, you'll just freeze and won't even step out in faith because he's making something look like, of course it's bigger. That's where God's asking us to go, is into the places that are bigger. Amen? You're bigger on the inside than you can see on the outside. It takes a larger situation and a larger assignment to draw out the largeness on the inside of you. If you're always staying within the parameters you know, of what you know and what you can do, we all know this, every mother can say this, even the, the anointed assignment and the God-given assignment to be a parent. You know, at times we find ourselves, it's bigger than us, right? And we need the help of the Holy Ghost. We need the divine guidance of the Holy Ghost because what everyone else is doing, 
what the world, yes, they have their own um, ideas and their own methods and their own psychology with parenting, but I don't want man's psychology. I want God's divine insight. And so, uh, you know, things and, and, and jobs even within the home can seem bigger than what we've even understood. Maybe we didn't have a good example in that. And so he's going to call you up higher in every single arena. He's going to call you up to a higher way of thinking, call you up to a higher way of acting. Amen? And if we stay at man's level, we'll miss the greatness of his plan in operation in our life. So he's saying here, you've never seen this operation. Peter's like, I've never seen this done before. What is he doing? He's giving them the assignment of the greatness of words of faith. And that what you see doesn't have to move you to what you believe. What you believe moves what you see. Mark 11, verse 20. And in the morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. Why? Because Jesus had cursed it from the roots. That's the key. He cursed it. Where it started, where he assigned his words were at the roots. He didn't assign his words at the top. He assigned his words to the roots. Get specific where you send your words. If the words are vague, the results will be vague. What you see will be vague. He assigned, he cursed it from the roots, and it dried up from the roots. And Peter, calling to remembrance, saith unto him, Master, behold, the fig tree which thou cursed is withered away. And Jesus answering, saith unto them. And this is, you know, one of the greatest messages uh, that mankind could ever understand is that we no longer have to be a victim. We no longer have to be under the control of. We no longer have to, our lives don't have to be dictated by anything that we see that tells us something contrary to God's word. You know, when God spoke and gave divine order for fig trees, When he spoke all those years ago, that fig tree should have had fruit when the leaves were on it. This fig tree was out of order. When God has called you into his family, into being a divine son, a divine daughter in the kingdom of God, God expects that we set things in order in our lives with our words. Amen? He expects that of us. And he is displeased when we let things, as this fig tree was out of order, he is displeased when we allow things to stay and be out of order without using the faith words, the word of God that is anointed. This isn't anointed for his sake. This is anointed for our sake. He did his creating, right? Didn't he? He did his show. He did his assignment. And this is what Jesus said, uh, uh, this fig tree is not performing the way my father has anointed it and designed it to be performed. So he's showing them if there's something in the life of the believer, something in the way, something that is not doing what it should be doing, you are anointed with the word of God to speak to that Whatever it is, that situation, that circumstance, that need, that thought, you're anointed. Remember we've talked about sometimes the the mountain is simply a thought that keeps coming up, coming up, coming up. Sometimes there's things that we think are actually big deals, and really it's the thought of it. (laughs) The devil wants to take thoughts, and you make mountains with those thoughts. He'll give you one thought and you'll build a whole mountain that stops you right in your tracks and you won't go any further because that one thought continues, continues, continues. You know, this is how, this can be how relationships are uh, damaged, you know, destroyed. This is how people become bound uh, by money because of one, one thought. 
one thought. And there was never a mountain there, but they built one in their thought life. And so we have to learn even with thoughts, they can be mountains that we have to speak to, and we've learned how to do that through Pastor Nancy's uh, teaching in her book on Answer It, that that thought does not have to be a mountain in my way that holds me out of the fullness of God's plan. So he's giving this uh, divine assignment. Once he speaks it, once Jesus demonstrates it, guess who's responsible for it? I want to be like Jesus. I want to pursue Jesus. I want to be, you know, um, in Jesus' flow. This is it right here. It says, uh, For verily I say unto you, in verse 23, Thou whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed. And be thou cast into the sea. So you're speaking to the mountain and you're telling it exactly where to go and what to do. Not just get out of the way. Not just mountain, you don't belong here. You know, mountain, I'm free. You got to get descriptive, right? Look how complex God made everything. He got descriptive. He got so descriptive and so detailed when creating us, when creating this world. Get descriptive and detailed. No, devil, I will not take that thought. I will not take. Those are not my symptoms. Symptoms, you leave my body in the name of Jesus. It was his blood that was shed. And you begin to get descriptive with the word. Amen. What are you doing? You're not taking what you see or what you feel, and letting that determine what you say and what you do. You're taking what's on the inside to determine what that thing is going to do. I am assigned. You are assigned to take what we see, what we face, and change it according to God's word and his divine order, not what we face and what we see and the needs that we have and what the economy says and what the symptoms say, and we change ourselves. Verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore I say unto you, What things soever ye desire when you pray, believe that you receive them, and ye shall have them. And when ye stand praying, forgive. If ye have aught against any, that your Father also which is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father, which is in heaven, forgive your trespasses. Forgiveness in the heart uh, is closely connected to doubt in the heart. If you don't want to have doubt in your heart, you can't have unforgiveness in your heart. Because unforgiveness are really thoughts of doubt towards an individual. It's thoughts of doubt. If, if someone says something or does something that hurts where, you know, I, what I think hurts so deeply or I'm offended in such a way, then what I'm saying is uh, that I have doubt that whether they were right or wrong, that they could ever change. You're, you're casting doubt on who they are as a child of God. You're casting doubt that they could change, that the word of God, you're casting doubt uh, that they're even willing to be a doer of the word. We're not called to doubt one another. And this is, this is, this is a sermon, this partly is for Tuesday night. We're doing that Tuesday night. But I just want to make that connection. And we will continue with that on Tuesday night. But that connection, so you know, when you have that unforgiveness, that's really a form of doubt towards um, an individual. Love. Faith works by love. So, therefore, when you have unforgiveness in your heart, it is not the flow of God. God has faith. No matter who does what wrong and says wrong about him before they're even born again, what did Jesus do? He died for their sins. He had faith that they would call on his name. So whether somebody did something wrong to you, people are doing wrong stuff, uh, wrong stuff all the time and, and, and outside of, even within the body of Christ. 
you know, whether through wrong thinking or wrong teaching or just a lack of knowing or conscientious of what, you know, their actions are doing to the father and how sin, you know, hurts the father. They're, they're so, but what does he do? He forgives. He, as soon as we go to him with repentance, he forgives because he has faith. Amen. He's got more faith in us than we do in ourselves. He really does. But anyway, that's the sermon. So, very I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart. We had talked about last week, I'm a believer. Remember? Say it together. I'm a believer. I'm a believer. When he says, shall believe that those things which he saith, you are anointed and empowered as a believer. And I have found in situations that just saying, I'm a believer, sometimes you don't have the answer, but to get up and just in the face of what is talking to you, I'm a believer. Because the devil and the enemy is banking on you believing that you are a doubter and cannot trust God. That you don't have enough faith. That you don't know what to do. That you're never coming out of this. That you're never going to have enough money. That those symptoms are never going away. And sometimes you just got to get to say, I'm a believer. I'm empowered to believe. Talking over yourself, not with something that you want to be, but something that you are. I am a believer. I've been made a believer. I've been recreated in Christ Jesus. He died for me, a believer that I would come into the family of God, that I would receive his, uh, his um, salvation. You know what I'm saying? He went to the cross believing that somebody would receive him and God's salvation. We were born from a believing Savior. I'm a believer. Hearing the word of God is to enable us to live by faith in spite of what we see. Our new nature is a believing nature. The new man came with the empowerment to believe. Remind yourself of that. I have been empowered in my new nature to believe in the face of any circumstance. I don't care today what it is you're facing. You have been empowered to believe God. Even in the midst of struggling with doubtful thoughts, I'm a believer. I'm a believer. Thank you, Father. You've made me a believer. You say that. You have made me. You didn't make yourself. He made you. He made you a believer. Uh, You've been created to face and deal with every mountain that you see. I have been created to face and to deal with, not hope God deals with it. Religion says, I hope God does something with this. I have been empowered. And the one thing the enemy doesn't want you to know is that you have been empowered, created, and divinely made to face and to speak and to deal with every mountain that will come in your life. You were not created to go around a mountain. You were created to move it. Amen? So, last week we talked about what do we see? What are you seeing today that you're struggling with? You know, there are things, uh, we, we, we're going to talk about what we see and then what we hear. But one of the things when looking in the scriptures uh, that we, I kind of started taking note of, it was what people would see uh, and, and they'd have to look at that would be a real difficulty to overcome. There's something about when you see it with your own eyes. With, when we say it's with the natural eyes. So we began to talk about our spiritual eyes, tending to our spiritual eyes, the supernatural view, that we see our life from a supernatural view, not just a natural view. Right. Amen? Amen? So doubt comes first through what we see. <clears throat> Romans 4, verse 19, and we'll go back over to this passage so we can see, because God, 
you know, he just, sometimes when I'm thinking on these things and meditating on these things, he'll throw, he'll give me something, he'll, he'll bring up these examples of those who have already been through that. And we saw them go through it uh, successfully. In verse 4, chapter 4, I mean, in verse 19, and being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body. Well, you don't hear your body. What do you do? You see your body. <laughs> so he didn't weaken based off what he woke up and saw every day. He wasn't looking at himself, too. He was looking at herself. We're looking at two selves that don't say, the wrinkles don't lie of what the natural can provide, right? Am I right? You're waking up every day and you're seeing the same checkbook, the same bank account. You're seeing the same symptoms. What do you do? Well, for 20 plus years, Abraham, he didn't waver. He didn't waver. But he realized if I keep looking, and he did for a while, he set his eyes, and so did Sarah, set her eyes on someone else who looked, what? Looked more visually capable. Right? Am I right? Visually, Hagar looked capable of bringing to pass what God had asked them to bring to pass, had promised them. More visually capable. Why? Hagar was in front of their natural eyes. For that moment, they had gotten their eyes, their, their spiritual eyes, they had gotten off the promise that it was going to come through the two of them. And they decided, well, my natural eyes say, why don't you take her? And he said, absolutely. <laughs> that sounds like a good plan. What happened in that moment Instead of being empowered to keep believing, they're brought relief. The opposite of the empowerment of the word is relief to the flesh. Anytime you're drawing on the empowerment of the word of God, your flesh will probably be uncomfortable. Anytime you need the sustaining power of the word of God, anytime that you need to draw on those supernatural eyes, what God can see, what the word says, what he's promised, anytime you are going to forfeit the relief of the flesh. And so they let go of those empowering words that he said, I will make thee a father, both of them. It's going to come through your seed, the father of many nations. They let go of that, and they got some temporary relief through what they saw. Don't back down. Whatever you're facing today, don't cave in to get relief on the flesh when you know. Remember, we've not, what did they do? They were trying to go around that mountain. God didn't call them to go around the mountain to get to where they needed to be. And that is to have a multitude, you know, as, as, as many as the stars would be his descendants. It was to move the mountain of age and time that God was asking them to believe for. But Hagar was them going around that mountain. We're not called to go around them. We're called to move them. You understand, that's really what Abraham and Sarah were doing. They were moving the mountain of time and inability. I mean, my goodness, what? I'm not facing anything that big today, you know? Because time, and not only were they, did they have the mountain of time, but that mountain kept growing didn't it <laughs> that mountain of time kept growing they were not taking numbers there was no chipping away at this mountain of time i'll take a little bit here i'll take a little bit here i'll take a little bit here that's why god isn't moved if the knee gets bigger he's not moved if the number gets bigger he's not moved if the symptoms get worse he's not moved by any of that 
When he says it, when he says, by his stripes, when he says, follow me and my word, you know, in all through the scripture, if we'll take his law and we'll put it in our mouth, if we'll be faithful to be doers of the word, a faithful man shall abound in all the blessings. That means in the midst of that faithfulness, the devil's going to try to keep you from believing that you're ever going to abound, that you're ever going to be over. Amen. And so with this mountain that they're looking out of time, it's going to keep growing. So don't think today if your situation has gotten any worse that God is even the least bit deterred. He's not. Don't you be by what you see. Don't deviate according to what you believe because you're seeing something contrary to what you're believing. This is where Abraham and Sarah had to turn their spiritual eyes. And what does it say here in in Romans chapter 4? Verse 20, because it talks about in 19, the deadness of Sarah's womb. They weren't denying it. They weren't pretending like it wasn't there. They weren't afraid of that mountain, though. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith. Here we go. Giving glory to God. This giving glory to God is you setting your eyes on things that are above. It says, set your eyes on things above, not on things of this earth. Set your affection. Set your attention. Remember, your affection and your eye. Where, what you see and I said this the other day, Pastor Nancy said this in class, where uh, what you're around the most, you will develop affection for. You will. If you're around the wrong people, you will develop an affection for them, and your affections are what drive you in life. It's your affections. It's really not even always your habits. Um, Because you'll set habits based on your affections. (laughs) It's your affections. Remember we said the the will, um, the will of man is the greatest idol that he'll have to overcome and set aside, is your own will, your own personal desires. Um, I had preached a message a long, long, long time ago that there's a student, they always remind me of this message that I had preached, and I've only preached it once, and I can see why I had preached it, because it had gotten this one student through many of a, of a hardship, and God will do that. He will preach one message for one person. Everybody else can be blessed by it. And they always remind me, remember that message you preach? Your happiness has nothing to do with it. I always forget about that message. <laughs> Your happiness has nothing to do with it because there's, you know, in the midst of um, facing a mountain, there is, when you you set your eyes on something that you can't accomplish, you will immediately lose all happy, (laughs) joyful, because you know where happiness comes from? It comes from the flesh. Joy, happiness and joy are two different things, two different things. Things. And when you say your happiness has nothing to do with it, that means that your flesh has nothing to do with it. So when we say your greatest idol is your own will and your personal desires, we're talking about the flesh and the unrenewed mind. And I talked about in this message how uh, there were things that my, I had my own personal desires. I had my own will. I had, we are not robots created in his image. <laughs> you know, some people think that. I've been a robot created in his, no, we, we have a will a, 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 by divine design that we would choose God. That he, we would choose his plan, that we would choose to love him. And we would choose to walk with him and be affectionate with him. Amen? Uh, But unfortunately, especially now in this day and age when there's so much that our eyes can see and our senses can touch and things are are so immediate and and, uh, the gratitude, you know, you you gratify the flesh so quickly. 
you know you want the donut you can literally go not even get out of your car you don't wait a second wait a second what am i saying you don't even get out of your car you don't even have to leave your house anymore right what do people call that happiness because you don't have to get out of your pajamas to even go satisfy the flesh. The flesh, the flesh doesn't even have to do anything anymore to be satisfied. That's how far. You understand? Back in the day, if you wanted biscuits and gravy, somebody had to slave over a hot stove with fire burning in it in a long dress that comes up to here with 15 layers on it with the fat that you got from the pig that somebody had to kill. I mean, this is for real. So to have the flesh satisfied took a lot of effort. <laughs> you, you know, you get uh, biscuits and gravy door dash to your, you know, your door. <laughs> so you can see how... Um, we've been even more so, flesh is flesh, but even now has been more so conditioned to take a very lead role in directing our lives. You know, um, you know, we have work from home, Zoom meetings where, you know, business on top, you know, casual on the bottom. You know, you, you can, the flesh is partly satisfied comfortable you know there's there's not the same having to get up and and get your day going before the sun comes up and you know, all these things all all these things if we're not careful will will can hurt our effectiveness um and can feed that sense of happiness that we want to have because I spoke last week to the mountain, and why didn't it move already? I spoke to, and I, I've been praising God for two weeks. Why did the situation not change already? Why? Because we want to base our faith on happiness instead of joy that flows in the midst of it doesn't matter whether it's moved yet or not. This is what Abraham did. He gave glory unto God as his body was getting more wrinkly, his wife was getting older and, you know, more droopy, whatever. Everything is... The mountain is getting bigger, right? It's getting bigger. And yet he continues to give glory to God. That's where joy comes from. It's from glorying in God's word. And there's not going to be an instant feeling of happiness or relief that comes with that. Joy is the act of rejoicing with God, with him, with him. Rejoicing with him. He doesn't leave you to rejoice by yourself. You're rejoicing with him. Joy is the act of rejoicing with him in the midst of contrary circumstances. And I don't even need happiness. Happiness has nothing to do with it. I am rejoicing in my Father's word for me because that word is my word. His power is my power. I'm a believer. I'm a believer like my father is a believer, like my savior is a believer, and I will not quit believing. Amen? So what we see is going to try and get, and the natural is, trying to, is going to try to get our, this is what I wanted to get to this morning, what we, what we see in the natural is going to try to get our spiritual eyes off of what we should be seeing in God's word. That's, that's what the enemy does. We, we're not, um, we're, the law of sin and death is still operating in this world. That's why when we were believing for our home, all these random things come up. 
You know, suddenly the people don't want to sell us the house anymore. Suddenly, why? What had happened? In their lives, they, had, they were very well off, had multiple homes, had very good jobs. In one year, their entire financial situation changed. One year. That was not a coincidence. Because in that one year, actually within the last couple months, the last, I think we got a call about a month and a half before the house was, you know, we needed to, to buy out that lease. In that one, in that, that half month, all, all of a sudden things had shifted for them. Because this world, the devil operates in the laws of this world. And so things were affected in their life in order, because we weren't going to deviate. When the plan was revealed, the enemy was looking for every way in. You know, I'm reminded of the testimony that um, pastor and doctor would share regarding getting not the home they're in now, but the home they had up in, in La Cresta. And for eight years, God told her that was for her home for eight years, seeing that home. And then somebody coming in, there was the enemy had sent a realtor. God had sent his divine help to help them. But the enemy still, once that plan was revealed to her, the enemy was going to do everything he could to keep putting mountains in the way, hoping that they would back down, go a different direction, change plans, alter course. And uh, we know this, that, you know, and she talks about that, that in the midst of those eight years and believing in different transactions and their, their bid being, you know, their, their offer being hid in a drawer, you know, there was illegal dealings that happened with this, you know, this wasn't just somebody wanted a favor for somebody else. There was illegal things going on that was hindering them from getting that home. But she stayed persistent for eight years, no matter what she saw, no matter, it was empty, you know, no matter who it looked like was going to buy it, move in. And so what they saw in the midst of all that obviously changed. And because we're empowered to believe, we're empowered to move mountains, there oftentimes comes when people don't agree with that, they will be moved too. They will be moved. You know, when you're wanting to move forward in the plan of God, there will be people who will be moved out of the way. And we, we've, I've taught on that here. They don't know that they're being moved out of the way. You know, uh, Lot didn't realize that because he did not handle his relationship with Abraham properly, God allowed him to go on. He allowed that. I don't ever want to find myself thinking it was my idea to move on, and really God was just letting me go. And so there was a realtor who dropped dead at the desk, just like that. This realtor who was doing illegal dealings, um, and, and someone came in, found their file after this woman had died, and said, wait a second. You know, and I'm giving the very short version. What did that woman do? Were they a bad person? I'm not you know, speaking ill of them. But all I know is this, is when you're empowered to believe, when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were empowered to hold fast to what they believe and did not bow, guess who died? Those who went to throw them into the furnace. That's the truth. I'm not, I'm not pro- professing a, a curse on anybody. You know what I mean? God has a plan, and if you'll stick to that plan, he'll do whatever he has to do to get that plan done. Don't go around the mountain because it's getting bigger. Don't try to go an alternate route. They didn't go for a different home just because it looked like for eight years it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't going to be the way God had said it was going to be. Those three Hebrew boys wouldn't bow. And in fact, you would also think that when they saw the flames and then they made them seven times hotter, what is that? Your natural eyes are seeing, okay, we could cut a deal. We could begin to negotiate. You know, he's, we can't call his bluff. There ain't no bluff. This is, this is for real. This is about to happen. 
And those that were facilitating um, the right of God's people to bow before him and to worship. You understand, we were talking about, you have a right to move the mountain. You have a right to move the mountain. You have a right to move every mountain. And that's what they were doing. They had a right to bow. They had a right to worship. Yes, it wasn't their land, but as Hebrew boys, they had a right to get before God's face every day because they were in covenant with him. Your empowerment comes from your covenant with God. Do not back down. If you back down from believing him and speaking, you're backing down out of your covenant with the Most High. I move based off my covenant my supernatural covenant and what my spirit tells me, not based off what my eyes tell me. And those three Hebrew boys were not going to be moved based on what their natural eyes saw. They had a covenant right to worship and bow before their God. And anything that gets in the way of those covenant rights in your life has the right, you have the right to address it. Take your rights. Take your rights. What are you believing for? It's not a matter of hoping and wishing. It's a matter of taking your rights. I have the right for this. I have the right. according, Not according to me, but according to the blood of Jesus. Amen? Um, we'll close with this. And I, I talked about this last week, R.W. Shambach, when he saw that for sale sign out in front of his, what did he say? That was his building. <laughs> that was his building. And he picked up that sign and went and dumped it on that man's desk and said, what is the for sale sign doing in front of my building? Because he had already, he said by the leading of the spirit, he had already walked around that property. He'd already walked around it. What had come up? A sign in front of his eyes to see if he would change his spiritual sight. Recognize when something comes up before your natural eyes, is this trying to change my spiritual eyesight? What do you see in your spirit? What has been revealed to your spirit? Keep your eyes on your, your spiritual eyes. And this is why, and I didn't bring my glasses this week. But this is what we were talking about last week. When you have the word of God continually in your natural eyes, what your natural eyes see can be filtered immediately through that word. Immediately. Immediately. But what happens is, is we and we, when we are not staying in the word of God as we should, and there's a mountain that needs to be moved, we don't have the right focus. We don't have the right focus on that mountain. You can see your mountain the way Abraham saw the mountain, and that is through joy. Jesus said it was, he went to the cross uh, with the joy that was set before him. What did that mean? There was no happiness in the cross. He didn't feel good. His happiness, Lord, let this cup, he said, God, let this cup, Father, let this cup pass from me. <gasps> Please. Because his will was to not go through and be separated and have sin and all the sickness. So bad where he's sweating drops of blood. There is no happiness in that. But the scripture still says, because of the joy that was set before him. Why? With his spiritual eyes, he could rejoice. If you lost your rejoicing then you're looking too much through those natural eyes. Get in God's word. Get in the scripture so you can see the situation with the spiritual lenses that God has provided for you. Amen? And uh, these are, this is you know, really just faith basics, faith 101, but sometimes these are the things in which we all miss it. Because we, we think we get out so far, you know, we gain some knowledge, and that's good. Uh, but knowledge without, greater knowledge without a grasp on the fundamentals will put you out beyond 
You know what I'm saying? What, what you're really and truly uh, capable of sustaining. I want to sustain a life of faith. I don't want to just have moments. Oh, I got through that one. I got, I got through that one, you know. There, there's a lifestyle, a sustaining lifestyle of faith with the right lenses on. That means that every time something comes up, I got them, them word glasses on. And you actually see things for what they really are when they appear. Amen? Those three Hebrew boys had the right view. They had the right view. And it really doesn't say that they ever deviated from what they believed. You know what? Even Abraham had to march his son up to the mountain. Didn't he? Every step, the mountain, the, the trek, you know, they're tired. And now God's made me tired just to go on and sacrifice my own son. That he promised me. But why? He saw everything through spiritual eyes. God will raise him up. God will raise him up. This is my promise. God will do for me what I can't do for myself. Amen? As long as I obey him, I employ his help. And he will do for me what I cannot do. You know what God can't do? He cannot do acts of faith for you. He can perform for you, but he can't do acts of faith for you. My acts of faith engage his performance. My words of faith engage his performance. He cannot perform for me without my acts of obedience. That's the one thing. You say, well, God, there's nothing God, you know, that he can't do. Yes, there is. He cannot perform acts of faith for you. He performs the work, but not your acts of faith. He cannot do those. He cannot speak to the mountain for you. He can't do it. So yes, there are things that God cannot do. And so therefore, in our covenant, his job is to perform his word. And my job is to speak it, see it, believe it, not deviate from it, not move off of it, not go astray from it. Not try to find happiness, but stay in the joy of the word, even in the midst of contrary situations. Amen. We trust you've enjoyed this message. Visit us at DufresneMinistries.org to learn of our upcoming meetings, share your testimony, become a partner, or visit our online store. This program has been made possible by the friends and partners of Dufresne Ministries.